You know I hate to say, I told you so. You know how much I hate to say that. But one of the things that I've told you on this show is that the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth is about six to nine months. Well, well, nine months ago, the FDA approved the first booster shots for the COVID vaccine. Almost exactly nine months ago. At the time, I made fun of the booster shots because I knew that they were not going to do what the libs told us they were going to do. I knew that because the vaccines themselves, the, the first shots, didn't do what the libs told us that they would do, namely to prevent infection and transmission of the virus. If the vaccines had done what they were supposed to do, we wouldn't have needed the boosters. When I doubted the vaccines, I was called a conspiracy theorist. Then, almost exactly nine months after the vaccines came out, we got the boosters. And when I doubted the boosters, I was called, you guessed it, a conspiracy theorist. And now, nine months later, we get this headline. This headline. Why boosted Americans seem to be getting more COVID-19 infections. This is from CBS News. They say that as COVID-19 cases began to accelerate the spring, federal data suggest the rate of breakthrough COVID infections, it's always breakthrough. <laughs> Everyone's getting it, but it's all, it's breakthrough. The rate of breakthrough COVID infections in April was worse in boosted Americans compared to unboosted Americans. That's really strange. And they, they make a point to say, though rates of death and hospitalization remain the lowest among the boosted. Okay. But the cases, they're more prominent among the boosted than the unboosted. The new data do not mean booster shots are somehow increasing the risk. No, no, no. Ongoing studies continue to provide strong evidence of additional protection, blah, 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 blah. Instead, the shift underscores the growing complexity of measuring vaccine effectiveness at this stage of the pandemic. It's the growing, when they get everything wrong, that's just evidence of the growing complex. It's so complex, you probably wouldn't understand it. Except you did understand it, and I understood it. Wasn't complex to us nine months ago, isn't complex to us now. As simple as this, they were wrong about everything. <laughs> that, that's it. It's actually pretty simple if you realize they're wrong about everything. If you still trust our pretentious ruling class, I can't help you. I can't, I'm sorry, I can't help you. It is not just that, that COVID has proven their idiocy. These are people who believe, who say with their very own voices that babies are not babies. These are people in their genius lab coats with their stethoscopes who say that men are actually women secretly somewhere deep down. These are people who tell you not to let monkeypox interrupt your gay orgies. You're hearing this from public health officials at fancy places. These are some of the most radical, least logical people on the face of the earth. And if you want a good rule of thumb to protect yourself and the public health, whatever these people tell you to do, you are probably better off doing the opposite. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Jimmy Bloomfield, who says, wow, whole new meaning to the phrase, the few, the proud, the Marines. Yes, I guess that, <laughs> that uh, 
super duper gay tweeting that was going on from the Marines and the Air Force. Interestingly, not the Navy or the Army or the Coast Guard, but two branches of the military were really talking about how important Pride Month celebrations are to going out and killing the enemy or whatever. Uh, that really does give a new meaning to that phrase. Maybe it was there all along. It was there in the tagline. We just couldn't see it. Now, when you see something and you want to talk to me about it, when you want to talk to your friends about it, when you talk, want to talk to your loved ones, you got to check out Pure Talk. Right now, go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Knowles Podcast. I freaking love these guys. I know that people have a reticence to switch their cell phone because it's such a hassle to open up a cell phone line that people just stay stuck with it for the rest of their lives. Even though the prices go up all the time and the, even though the cell phone companies are selling wokeness, and, but that's how they get you. They get you stuck in a rut. Do not do it. I love Pure Talk. They've got the absolute best, coolest, newest phones. I got my beautiful Apple iPhone 13 from Pure Talk just the other day. They got all sorts of cool colors. Their service is top notch. Whether you are on ATT or Verizon or T-Mobile or whatever, you are going to get the exact comparable service. Really, really top stuff. The Pure Talk CEO is a U.S. veteran. You've got America's most reliable 5G network, unlimited talk, unlimited text, six gigs of data. You'll get it for $30 a month. What's the catch? There isn't a catch. It's just phenomenal. Go to puretalk.com, shop for the plan that's right for you. puretalk.com, enter promo code Knowles Podcast to save 50% off your first month. That is promo code Knowles Podcast, K-N-O-W-L-E-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, all one word at puretalk.com. PureTalk is simply smarter wireless. They were wrong about everything with COVID. I really want to drive that point home <laughs> because at the time, two years ago, more than two years ago now, two and a half years ago almost, when COVID really started cropping up, a lot of conservatives went along with it. And I, I understand. It, it was a once-in-a-generation kind of political operation, and you had all the fancy people in the lab coats, and even a lot of elected Republicans went along with it. And so, although some conservatives had a little bit of trepidation about giving away all of our political rights and upending our whole way of life because of this mysterious virus, people gave the public health establishment the benefit of the doubt. Some of us were a little more skeptical. Some of us said, you know... I don't know. The, the, the measures that they're calling for don't really seem to be backed up by the data. The, the new measures, like everyone wearing the masks, well, just a week ago, the public health people were telling us that the masks don't work. That doesn't, hold on, you're telling me standing six feet away from someone, that's really going to protect us? From, that doesn't seem very likely. Hold on, the virus mostly affects elderly people and people with weak immune systems. So why are we locking little kids who are otherwise, all these questions, right? They never had a good answer, and the establishment would change its answer every day. And as the, as the whole thing dragged on, more and more people began to understand, oh, this is a farce. This is preposterous. The emperor has no clothes. So the next stage of that was a couple of months ago when COVID was killing Democrats in the polls. All of a sudden, they started to take their foot off the accelerator just a little bit. They realized this was going to really hurt them in the midterms. So they said, okay, hey guys, don't, we're going to move on now. This is great. Biden beat COVID. Okay, this is awesome. But I said, watch out. They're going to bring it back and they're going to bring it back. The way you know they're going to bring it back is because they're not getting rid of the emergency authorization, the national emergency authorization. They're still fighting tooth and nail to keep the vaccine mandates in. They're still fighting tooth and nail to keep the, the mask mandates in. So they're 
they might be pulling away from the, the enforcement right now, but they, they're keeping all of the power, all of the potential power. And that's what we saw yesterday. The COVID coordinator at the White House, not Dr. Fauci, he's some other guy because Fauci was killing their poll numbers, so they put him into witness protection for a while. This new guy, the new, co- the new Dr. COVID shows up to the White House. He's asked a very simple question, which is, okay, we're over two years into this thing. Can you say definitively that the White House is going to support opening the schools in the fall for all the students? And the COVID coordinator is not even able to get his answer out. Doctor, do you believe all schools will and must be open this coming fall? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have to go. I enforce. Yes, I, sorry, I'm Thank you. Sorry. Sorry, you got to go. Hold on. And there she is, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, walks up. No, 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 he can't. There's not enough time to answer that really basic question that requires a one-word answer. Is yes, yes or no? And obviously the answer should be yes. No, no, okay, get out of here, you. Get out of here. All right, so anyway, what were we talking about? Yeah, okay, moving on. Moving on, nothing to see here because the White House doesn't want to commit to that because the potential for the COVID lockdowns gives gives the ruling class a lot of power. It gave them the power, most notably in 2020, to change all of the election rules. You would not... You would not have gotten the widespread mail-in ballots, the huge expansion of election day to election season, the uh, not not even the just the mail-in ballots, but the the mail the widespread mailing of the ballots to the voters without the voters requesting them themselves. In some cases, in direct violation of state laws and the state constitution, you wouldn't have had any of that without COVID, and specifically without the lockdowns that allowed the public health officials and the politicians, but I repeat myself, to, to change the way that we all operate in society. So they're, they're keeping that in their, in their quiver right now. And as the polls continue to get worse for Democrats, they'll probably, need to, they'll probably need to go back to that old playbook. It's both, both ignorant and cynical. It's somehow both ignorant and cynical, right? They do, the ruling class doesn't know what it's talking about. The ruling class has gotten pretty much everything wrong about COVID if they were being sincere and above board. But also they don't care. They don't care about the truth. That's what cynicism is, is when you just, you don't care about the truth. When Jesus says to Pontius Pilate, I am the truth, and Pontius Pilate shrugs his shoulders and says, what is truth? That's cynicism. And that's what you get from the White House, certainly, but also from the public health establishment. When Dr. Fauci says, don't wear the masks, the masks don't work, And then two seconds later, he says, wear the masks. You have to wear the masks. The masks are very effective. And there, that could just be incompetence. There, that could just be ignorance. But he shows you later on it's cynicism because he says, yeah, look, when I told you not to wear the masks, I wanted to save the masks for all my friends in public health. So I lied and told you that I, I misrepresented my opinion on the masks to you so that you wouldn't go buy them. But then when I saw there were enough of my friends, then I told you to go buy them and I changed my opinion. That's cynicism. That's where you, you frankly can't even tell the difference between truth and lies. All that matters to you is the implementation of your agenda. All that matters to you is the exercise of your will. That's what you're getting from the White House right now. That's what you're getting from the political establishment. And it's not just on COVID. COVID is the least usual, the most unusual, and most annoying uh, version of this. But you're seeing it on every other issue, especially now, the issue that the Democrats are really driving home, which is guns. The Democrats have focused on the the mass shooting in Texas as an opportunity 
to drive home their agenda about guns. Even though the gun agenda that they're driving would not have stopped that shooting or any other big shooting in recent years. There's no evidence whatsoever. Even the Washington Post fact checkers admit that at least for the earlier shootings, I don't think there's been a fact check on this one, but for the earlier mass shootings that we've seen in recent years, none of these gun control proposals would have changed anything. But the, the Democrats don't care because what they're after is not to prevent these kinds of particular incidents. They don't really care much about these incidents at all. They're just trying to pursue the same old agenda that they've had for decades. Now, when you want to protect yourself, not just your community, not just your way of life, but your home, you've got to check out Ring. Right now, go to ring.com slash Knowles. It's the summer. Summer is busy. People travel. I'm traveling. I'm always on the road. Sometimes I'm there with sweet little Elise and the baby. Sometimes they stay home. I go on the road. You want to be able to protect your home wherever you are, whether you're in the home, whether you're outside the home. You can do that with Ring. You know you can do that with the Ring video doorbell. You know that you can see and speak to whoever is at your doorstep, no matter where you are on earth. You know you can do that with Ring Alarm. Protect your home from freeze, fire, flood, from the bad guys. Keep an eye on your windows, on your doors. But have you gone pro? Have you gotten the Ring Alarm Pro yet? You got to go pro. CNET calls Ring Alarm Pro a giant leap for home security because Ring Alarm Pro allows you to protect your physical home and your virtual home, your digital home, your data. You live so much of your life online make sure you protect your data with a Wi-Fi protection you get from Ring and the physical protection you get from Ring. It's just a phenomenal service. The cost is extremely low. Go to ring.com slash Knowles. That is ring.com slash Knowles. Ohio just voted to approve a bill to arm teachers. This is going to be a controversial bill because the Democrats hate guns. And the Democrats want to get rid of guns, and a bill to arm teachers is going to encourage people to have more guns. If any, either it'll keep the gun the gun number about the same, or it will increase the number of guns out there. And so the Democrats are very upset about this. But this is a very good law. The Ohio Republican governor Mike DeWine is expected to sign this bill uh, that the GOP legislature, GOP-led legislature, passed. This is a good bill. Just on. Uh, Here's how you know it's a good bill. For a moment, take away every preconceived desire that you've got in politics. All the rules you want, everything you want to change, just take that away and just focus for one second on a school. You've got a school, two schools. You got one school where the teachers and the staff are permitted to carry guns. And you don't know which teachers are exercising that right and which teachers are not, but you know that there are going to be guns in this school. Then you got a school that's a gun-free zone, where you know no guns are allowed anywhere around that school. Maybe a resource officer is allowed to carry one, maybe. Which school do you think is more likely to be shot up by a lunatic? Which one? The one where you don't know if you bust into that school with a gun, if you're going to be taken out by that guy, or that guy, or that guy, or all of them at once? or the school where everyone's a sitting duck. Obviously, it's the former, regardless of what you think about guns. Second step, are school shootings being carried out by teachers with their guns? Are school shootings being carried out by aides with their guns? No, the school shootings are always carried out by crazy, weirdo students, many of whom show a lot of warning signs that are completely ignored. 
because often of political correctness and because of neglect and because of inefficiency and sometimes corruption at the schools. But what we know for sure, that's a separate issue, what we know for sure is the school shootings are not being carried out by teachers with their guns or aides with their guns. So it's not going to increase the risk to students, and it is going to decrease the risk. If you want to reduce the likelihood of school shootings, there is no question arm, arming or allowing teachers to arm themselves and aides to arm themselves would accomplish that. There's no, I, don't, I don't see how you could argue otherwise. The only thing you could argue is, well, we don't want more guns out there. Well, guns are just bad generally, and so we want fewer guns, not more guns, so no more guns. But that's a totally separate, now you're just talking about guns in a way that is almost entirely unrelated to school shootings. So on this issue, the libs have to pick. They've got a very stark choice before them. Protect kids or pursue their mostly unrelated gun control agenda. They're mutually exclusive. And the libs are totally picking the latter, uniformly, almost, I think, without exception. And the Republicans are choosing the former. You might, you might say, well, it's just because Republicans love guns. Yeah, Republicans do love guns. And they do. A lot of Republicans do, at least. Yeah, that's true. It's just because Republicans love their Second Amendment right. Yep, you're damn right we do. Uh-huh. But that, again, that's sort of beside the point here. I'm not talking in the abstract. I'm not talking about some grand ideology. I'm just talking about the practical question. What is more likely to protect kids at schools? The shooter goes in and he doesn't know which teachers and aides have guns? Or shooter goes in, sitting ducks, he knows it's a gun-free zone. It's obviously the former. We, I, I know we don't, we don't get the libs to admit basic facts these days. Men are not women, babies are babies. But, but come on, if we're being serious, if we're being sincere, we're having a good faith debate, obviously that policy would reduce the likelihood of a mass shooting in a school. And the libs don't care because they're pursuing their own agenda. Furthermore, libs in California are now making it harder to identify threats people who could cause violence at schools earlier on. There's the California Senate, which just passed a bill no longer requiring teachers to report incidents to the police. This is Senate Bill 1273. States that current law holds that a person, quote, who willfully disturbs any public school or any public school meeting is guilty of a misdemeanor and shall be punished by a fine of not more than $500. Uh, this bill would make it so that enrolled students would no longer be held liable for such an offense. So the students would, the, the school would not report these incidents to authorities. Now you might say, look, if a student is messing around at school and I don't know, he does something stupid, he pulls a prank, he disrupts a class, the class clown, does the class clown need to be reported to the police every time he pulls a prank? No, I don't think so. But what if students are causing real disruptions? What if students are exhibiting really troubling behavior. Do, do you think that the schools should report that to authorities? Well, if your goal is to reduce the likelihood of violence at schools, there's no question here. Of course, the schools should report the behavior. 
But if you are pursuing a different agenda, if you are pursuing the agenda of abolish the police, the, the agenda of we've got an over-incarceration over problem, the agenda of we shouldn't punish people for doing bad things, especially if they're of a protected race or a protected class or a protected geographic area, that would be inequitable and terrible and racist and bigoted and whatever PC nonsense they want to spend. If you're pursuing that agenda, then you say, yeah, don't, just brush it under the rug. When a, a, a transgender bathroom comes at the heart of, of a horrible rape that occurs in a school, Loudoun County, Virginia, when a guy wearing a dress goes in and rapes a girl in the girl's bathroom, and the guy's allowed into the girl's bathroom because of these insane transgender policies, well, uh, if you want to protect kids, obviously, you don't let boys in the girl's room. If you want to pursue your radical, abstract sexual agenda, then you have to let boys into the girl's room. And so what do you do? If it's the former case, you fix the problem. If it's the latter case, you transfer the boy to another school and you sweep it under the rug. What did the libs do in Loudoun County? What are the libs doing in California? What are the libs doing all over? It has nothing to do with protecting kids. It has everything to do with, with pursuing their own unrelated agenda. When the two come into conflict, they always pick the latter. You want to talk about incidents in schools. There, there is a teacher who's, of course, of course, taken to TikTok. Thank goodness for TikTok. TikTok is the greatest honeypot that conservatives ever invented. I'm starting to think Xi Jinping is on our side because TikTok just attracts these lunatics and predators to go on the platform and confess their extremely creepy and in some cases criminal behavior. And then, then there's a great Twitter account called Libs of TikTok that takes that from TikTok, where adult conservatives generally are not, to Twitter, where we are, and posts it for us. So Libs of TikTok just found this lady. She's complaining that her second grade students did not understand the, the phrase non-binary gender. So today in Queer Teacher Things, um, one of my students asked about my roommate, because um, I know I have a roommate, and... I told them their name, and they asked if my roommate was a boy or a girl, and I said, neither. And they were like, no, Miss Brown, it, are they a boy or a girl? I was like, N my friend, they're neither. They were like, well, do they have a boy name or a girl name? And I said, neither. And they said, well, do they wear boy clothes or girl clothes? And I said, well, what are boy clothes and girl clothes? And they go, you know. And I said, no, my friend, I don't know. What are boy clothes and girl clothes? And they said, well, what kind of clothes do they wear? And I said, well, they normally wear jeans and a t-shirt. And they said, well, what color is the t-shirt? And I said, all colors. And they said, well, that doesn't make any sense. And I said, it doesn't have to make sense. And then they walked away because they got mad at me. Out of the mouth of babes, such wisdom out of the mouth of babes. And credit to this teacher, at least, well, I, I don't want to give the devil his due here, but I will give the devil her due in that at the end, she acknowledges that it doesn't make sense. The kids say, this doesn't make sense. And she says, yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to make sense. She's, she's calling her second grade students, my friend, my friend, like she's a, a Middle Easterner at a bazaar trying to sell you cheap goods. My friend, my friend, I am selling you non-binary, my friend. My friend, for you, good, good price, best price for you, my friend, on transgender, pangender, non-binary, my friend. Uh, then the students say, well, hold on. That your roommate, their gender, their t-shirt, their color, it doesn't, it doesn't have to make sense. And she's right. She's right. Society doesn't have to make sense. 
we can live in a chaotic, <laughs> anarchistic, uh, cacophonous mayhem of a society. We can, and increasingly that is what we are doing. But if you want education to be education, if you want to make sense of your freedom, if you want to cultivate your rational will, if you want to get along and flourish, that does have to make sense. We do need sense. We do need logic and reason. When the libs have to choose between educating the children that they seem to care so much about, educating them, giving them a good education, teaching them to make sense of their freedom, and advancing their insane political, sexual, cultural ideology, which are they going to pick? 100 times out of 100, it is going to be the latter. The sexual indoctrination of children starts at a very young age. And this is true, by the way, in all cultures and in all societies. This is the one point that the libs get right, actually. When the libs say that we need to teach sex to kindergartners, they're, they're right in the sense that when you read a storybook, when a, when a normal kindergarten teacher in a normal kindergarten class in a normal society, something we haven't had in a long time, when that teacher reads a, a book, a board book about mama bear and papa bear and baby bear to the class, that is a kind of sexual instruction. Because what it's saying is that family looks a certain way and that marriage looks a certain way and that men and women relate to one another in a certain way. And when men and women come together in this thing called marriage, through some kind of process, you get little baby bear. And, and so that is a kind of sexual teaching. What the libs want is extremely creepy, perverse, pornographic, disordered sexual teaching. So obviously that's very bad. But, but there's always, they are right that there is always a kind of sexual instruction going on because men and women are different. And we're exposed to them from the very beginning. And we, we ask, um, mommy, what? What, why are you and daddy married? Well, when a man and a woman love each other very much, they come together and they get married and they start a family. Oh, okay, mommy. All right. And then when the little kid's really little, he says, mommy, where do babies come from? Well, you came from mommy's belly. Then the kid gets older and you, they get a little bit more into detail. But that, that does start from an early age. And so I have, I have a great deal of sympathy for parents who are, who are falling prey to the left's perversions here. There, there's a couple that uh, just, again, took to TikTok, took to, took to the honeypot to explain how their daughter knew that she was a boy starting around age two. You ready? Yeah. On the 6th of March, we welcomed our beautiful twins into the world. A boy called Arlo and a girl called Emerald. The first one they said was, this is a girl. I can you remember your face just like lighting up like, oh, this mm -hmm. is amazing. And then the next one is on, this is a boy. It was like a jackpot, you know, one of each. This is the perfect combination here. Yeah, <laughs> look at daddy flipping. So now they're four years old and they identify as two boys. The first time that I realized Stormy wanted to identify as male was about roughly two and a half, but it's not really, he said, I want to be a boy. He said, I am a boy. And that is the difference. My name is Stormy and I'm four years old. I feel like a boy and I want to be a boy. Sometimes people call me girl. Do they? How does that make you feel? Sad. When you watch this, you get very angry. 
If you're a normal person, you can't help but get angry. You say, this poor kid, the kid can barely speak. He's a four-year-old. He says, I'm a, I'm a, boy, I'm a boy now. Or I, I said he, because it's so confusing. That is she. She says, I'm a, I'm a boy. And, I, and so you're telling me at two and a half, the baby knew that she was a boy. No, this owes to the confusion of the parents and the confusion of this culture. When I was a four-year-old, I said I was Batman. I really did. I went for like two weeks. I put on a cape and I demanded that everyone call me Batman. I know that conservatives use this as a kind of flippant example. That I actually did that when I was four, when I was the age that that little girl is now. And my mother tolerated my wearing the cape a little bit, but she never, she never uh, embraced my identity entirely as a billionaire who fights crime. If only she had, I would have loved to be treated like a billionaire as a little kid. But it would not have been good for my flourishing because it wasn't true. It wasn't, it wasn't in accord with reality. Even still, as angry as one gets at these parents, I have a, a great deal of sympathy because these parents in particular admitted, they said, man, this seems so crazy. It seems so, so crazy, but I just, I just want to do what's best for my kid. I can't remember the exact moment it switched over, but there was that point where I thought, you know what, this isn't just this isn't just a phase. This is not a little girl we're looking at here, it's a little boy. He started being unhappy with being dressed as a girl, so he started being unhappy with wearing dresses. Hair clips were a big no-no. Mm -hmm. Didn't like hair clips, didn't like the pigtails. He was genuinely upset at being dressed as a girl. Before I had children, and certainly before the last couple of years, this whole thing that I'm saying, I, I would have thought it was ridiculous. Honestly, I would. I would have, I would have watched me and said, no, you, you, you're crazy. You're making it up. You're abusing a child. We constantly say, are you a boy today? Or do you feel like you, you might? Because I don't want him to feel like he's took himself down a route that he can't turn back. I'm really glad that this couple included this explanation. It, in a way, it redeems them and the abuse that they are carrying on against their daughter. Because I bet there are a lot of parents who feel this way, who say, well, you know, my, my child is, has a little bit of a fantasy, but, but the culture tells me that if I don't affirm the fantasy, then I'm going to make my kid commit suicide. And that's what they tell you. They say, if you do not affirm this child's fantasy, the kid's going to kill him or herself, and it's going to be your fault. And, and, you do, and any parent will do anything to protect their kid. But the, the parents obviously have some trepidation here, and they say, but I, I don't want to put the par the, my daughter down a path, you know, feel like she's gone down a path where she can't get back. But necessarily, she will be, especially when, when kids are really, really little. Their brains are like sponges. They're so malleable. The, the more they behave in a certain way, the more they are going to behave in a certain way. That's true of all of us. That's just what habit is. But especially when you're a kid, you form habits much more easily and they can stick a lot longer. That's why it's so much easier to learn a foreign language when you're a little kid than when you're older. And, and so the longer that they do this, and then obviously if they end up using puberty blockers or, or cross-sex hormones or any of the poison that the psychos in big pharma and in our, the cultural left are forcing on little kids, then, they, then they're on a path where it's virtually impossible to get back. I just would encourage parents who are in this position, do not allow yourself to fall prey to the insane, psychotic, false emotional blackmail. Do not allow yourself to, to uh, distrust your gut instinct. Your gut instinct is right. Our 
even our medical establishment, certainly the cultural establishment, but even our medical establishment is completely without credibility. They, ha- they are the emperor without clothes. They've proven that, I think, definitively over the last two years. And, and now it's no longer about making you wear some stupid cloth mask. Now it's about permanently destroying your little child's body. Do not believe them. Trust your gut. On this exact issue, Daily Wire has got a new documentary out that you have got to see. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about What is a Woman, Matt Walsh's documentary that is magnificent. Here's what people are saying about it. Ali Stuckey says it's compelling, funny, terrifying, but hopeful. Tim Poole says it's extremely well done and a must watch. Megyn Kelly says the film has a very serious message, one you're going to want to hear. Molly Hemingway, the great Molly Hemingway, says it's funny and thought-provoking. Lauren Southern says it's a show-and-tell of crazy. And Steve Dace from The Blaze says it's a weapon of mass destruction in the culture war. But who cares what any of them say? I'm telling you, it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal film. Matt does, I, I, I can't overstate what a great job. He does these interviews are incredible. The guy flew to Africa to interview a tribe to ask them about tra- transgenderism and non-binary. It's really good. And it doesn't just own the libs. It owns the libs with a purpose. And it's very serious. You're going to laugh. You're going to want to throw a remote at your TV. It's, it's really... Incredible. So right now, head on over to whatisawoman.com. The movie is only for members. So you've got to go to whatisawoman.com, subscribe. You get 25% off your membership. We need your your memberships. We need your subscriptions. Uh, That's how we can make more, more movies. Also, speaking of movies that came out on a totally different side of the cultural front right now, but I've been meaning to mention it all week and I just have, have not had the time to. I also am in a movie that just came out. It's called Mass of the Ages. For those of you who are on the papist side of the audience, into a little potpourri now and again, and even for the non-Catholics who just want to see how our crazy culture got to where it is, and one of the biggest, least talked about uh, a- aspects of that and, and changes that took place. Uh, it's about the old Latin Mass and how how it all transformed after the Second Vatican Council. Uh, it's Right now it's on YouTube. I believe it's for free. It's called Mass of the Ages Part 2. Uh, so go check that out too. We'll be right back with a lot more. We have come to my absolute favorite time of the week when I get to hear from you in the mailbag. And I get to literally hear from you now. We're still reading the typed in mailbag questions. But thanks to Pure Talk, we now have the voicemail bag. I love Pure Talk. I have my Pure Talk phone. Uh, I've got it all set up. I absolutely love it. They've got the best, latest, newest, coolest iPhones, whatever phone you want. The service cannot be beat. It is exactly as good as all the other top-tier, really best services. You can get unlimited text, unlimited talk. You get six gigs of data. It's just a phenomenal service. You will save so much money on your plan. Go to puretalk.com. Enter promo code Knowles Podcast right now. On top of the amazing savings, you'll save 50% off your first month. People are always skeptical about switching phones. That's how the that's how the big, awful phone companies just get you stuck in a rut. So uh, I promise you right now, go to puretalk.com. Use that code Knowles Podcast. You're going to love Pure Talk. Only subscribers can submit voice mailbags. So if you're not a member, Head on over to dailywire.com slash Knowles or use promo code Knowles for 10% off. Let's get to the first voicemail bag. Hey, Michael, I just wanted to ask, do you think that Roe v. Wade is going to be rightfully overturned or that the woke will undermine a democracy? Thanks. 
I think it will. I, I, I would bet money right now that Roe v. Wade will be overruled. The, at least according to that leaked opinion, uh, the, the court will vote 6-3 to uphold the pro-life law in Mississippi, and then the court will vote 5-4 to overrule Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Uh, who knows? It's, it's kind of a fool's errand to try to guess what the court is going to do. Uh, but all the gossip that I've heard out of Washington, D.C. is that the court is sticking by their guns. The conservatives sort of have to, because if the conservatives switch their opinions because of the angry mobs that the left sent to their homes, then it totally destroys the credibility of the court and of the decision, by the way. Uh, and, and all the future controversial opinions will just see more mob violence outside of houses. So I sort of think that they have to do it, which is very good news for us and very good news for babies. Hey Michael, I hope you're doing well. My name is Laura and I work and go to school here in Nashville. So hey neighbor, um, but my question for you is what advice do you have for people who work in an environment that is hostile to the conservative Christian worldview? For context, I work at Starbucks. I'm sure you are well aware that most people there do not like Christians or conservatives. I have to be cautious with what I say around them and I have to be very careful about how I refer to my transgender co-workers. That being said, as a Christian, I am commanded to share the gospel with them. And as time has progressed, I have come to care about them. I can see how much pain they have in their lives, and I want nothing more than for them to come to know Christ as their Savior. How can I speak the truth to them without explicitly mentioning religion or politics? Thanks. God bless you. Consider it an opportunity. This is such a great question. Consider it an opportunity. When uh, St. Paul and other disciples go into Corinth, and the Corinthians are doing all sorts of things that they shouldn't be doing, and are in, I'm sure, a lot of pain. You go in, and you, you might not be met with the warmest welcome, but nevertheless, you have the opportunity to improve their lives, to improve the world, to, to save their souls, to spread the gospel. Isn't that great? To lead them on a path to God. When St. Thomas takes a boat out, he shipwrecks on Socotra off the coast of Somalia and Yemen, and then goes on to India and spreads the gospel there, and then eventually gets, gets killed and possibly eaten, I think. Uh, ultimately, you know, you, you could look at that and say, gosh, that sounds so terribly unpleasant. St. Paul getting beaten and knocked over the head and imprisoned, and ultimately, you know, they end his life. But what a great opportunity to be, to spread the gospel. We're all going to have suffering. We're all going to die someday. No one here gets out alive. But, but how can you take suffering and turn it for the good and make it sanctifying and make it productive? That's a great way to do it. It also helps. I love Starbucks. Starbucks is a woke corporation. Uh, it's true that, that I think a few years ago they said that if, if employees wanted to donate to charities, they would match some of the charitable donations, including to Planned Parenthood. That was very annoying. That, that's awful. Uh, it's true that Starbucks signals all sorts of woke stuff. But first of all, so does pretty much every other company in America. So if you're, you're going to say, all right, I'm in the middle of New York and I want to get a cup of coffee, but I'm not going to go into that store. Well, then you can't go in anywhere, basically, because there are all of these woke corporations. And then you go into Starbucks, and I've, I've had this experience. It's exactly what you're describing, where most people at Starbucks are kind of lib. 
But just because I have something of a public platform, I'll go in and, and very often someone at Starbucks, one of the employees will come up and say, Psst, hey, hey, man, I'm, I'm on your side. I, you know, I like the show, but these guys around me, they hate it. And I don't know how to talk to them. And you know, it's, it's like you got to do a secret handshake. Like you, you kick your leg underneath a bathroom stall or something. You're a fr- fr- we used to say friend of Abe out in Hollywood. That was the secret message that you were a conservative. Just like in the old days, gay guys would say they were a friend of Dorothy because it was oppressive, you know, for gay people. It was, you had to hide your, your true identity. So obviously that exists at Starbucks. But if, if you look at these people, as you say, as being just in pain, being confused, when you see someone with lots of crazy hair and lots of mutilations and kind of scowling and angry all the time, that person probably doesn't have their life in great order. You look at the conservatives, generally pretty happy and stable. You look at the libs, not screaming and shrieking. Just look at any pro-abortion or pro-life rally, which side looks more normal. So you have an opportunity to spread some of that peace that you feel. Uh, Take that opportunity. It might might be unpleasant for you, uh, but embrace that. If you're saying, how do I avoid the unpleasantness? You're not going to. So just embrace it and, and kiss it up to God. Next question. Hi, Michael. Thank you for all you do for speaking truth with compassion and care and for evangelizing the Christian faith. My question for you is, as a practicing Catholic who I'm sure has many friends who are gay, how do you broach the topic of their dating lives if they bring it to you? Um, As a practicing Catholic myself who has many dear friends who are gay um, and who also know my position on, on the proper order of marriage, uh, I'm never quite sure how to broach conversations in which they bring up their dating lives and struggles and frustrations. So what advice would you have to respond with love and care while staying true to um, the Catholic teaching on marriage? Thank you. I usually just punch them. You know, I really, I just try to harm them and I, I you know, hit them over the head. Uh, no, no, I don't do that. You're right. I do have many gay friends. Uh, I am from New York. I lived in Los Angeles. I went to one of the gayest colleges ever in the history of higher education. So it's true. Many, many, a disproportionate number of my friends over the course of my life uh, have been gay guys. Uh, so, so what does that mean for someone who holds to Catholic teachings on marriage and human sexuality and everything? Well, it means that uh, I don't show my gay friends the disrespect of pandering to them. This is something, I also, it's a little self-selecting because my gay friends tend to be quite traditional. I know that seems like a contradiction in terms, but they get it. They're not in denial. They're not out there with crazy colored hair screaming, you know, wearing leather vests at a pride parade jiggling for kids, you know, down Fifth Avenue or something. That's not, not, we're just talking about guys who have uh, unusual sexual attractions. And so I have gay friends who say, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm just going to repress my sexuality, and I'm just not going to indulge in that, and I'm going to be celibate, and I'm going to remain chaste. I've got some gay friends who don't do that, who say, I want to be in a monogamous relationship with another man. I've got some gay friends who don't, who are, who are big libs and who, you know, I hope they don't get the monkey pox, but they've definitely continued to live more colorful lives in that regard. They know what I think. I'm not going to hide it from them. If they're willing to still be friends with me, even though I'm a Catholic, then I'm obviously willing to still be friends with, with anybody who is going to be respectful of that and thoughtful. But I, I think the reason that I described to you those 
those different, different shades of gay is because one, the gay community, LGBT, is not uniform. Okay, you know, the pride parade wants to pretend that everyone is out there, you know, like RuPaul trying to groom little kids. And that, that's not the case. People are working through their, their unusual desires. They're, they're working through their struggles and things that they bear in, in different ways. And so what you can do, what I like to do is I, I try to model behavior that I think is conducive to human flourishing and virtue. And I, like all people, sin and fall and fail. That's why I call myself a practicing Catholic, is I'm going to keep on practicing until I get it right. But you try to model that behavior, and, and people will look around and say, huh, maybe, maybe I, I want to stop doing this one thing and start doing this one thing. Ah, the, the way that that guy is behaving, maybe that seems more, maybe it seems like more like he's got things together. Okay, I'll try that. And that's, that's what we do. Forget about the gay issue. I mean, that's just what we do in all aspects of our lives. And if, if someone is going to cease to be friends with you because of what you believe or, or a, your behavior or the way that you live your life, well, I guess they weren't great friends in the first place. All right. One more voicemail back. Hey, Michael, it's me again, Nick. Um, I'm glad you have the voicemail back now. I feel like much of the complexities of my situations get lost in text. I kind of like how sarcasm on Twitter is super great. You get it. Anyways, as you know, Sydney, spelled with two E's, from the ayahuasca trip in Tulum didn't pan out, which is fine. However, I have been off my king energy again because I found out she hooked up with a friend of mine. Normally, I, I wouldn't care, bros over hoes and all that, but this was a girlfriend of mine. And to make it worse, it happened while we were dating, so... My question is, why does this feel different? As much as I hate to admit it, when a girl cheats on me with a dude, I, I just feel like I need to wipe all social media and walk through a car wash to wash away the shame. But when a girl cheats on me with another girl, I just feel hurt, betrayed. She didn't invite me to the get together or at the very least, like tell me about it in great detail. I mean, why is this the case? Thanks. <laughs> Love the show. I thank you, Nick, for your question. I had this sense for a while that Nick was not a real person or that Nick was multiple people and that some of the audience members just decided to take on this character of Nick. And now I am hearing Nick's voice. And I, guess, I suppose I still wonder that, but I'm hearing Nick's voice. And Nick does sound exactly as I would have imagined Nick to sound like. It's a good question, though. It's actually, it's actually somewhere down, down that rabbit hole, there is a uh, good question. Especially coming after the Amber Heard trial. You know, Amber Heard was married to Johnny Depp. And, but previously, I guess she had been in this longstanding relationship with a woman and she was very confused about these things. So uh, one, Nick, no, you should not be uh, watching your girlfriend cheat on you, whether it's with a man or with a woman. It's true. There is a great shame and humiliation in being cuckolded. The woman goes out and cheats on you with a man. But if the woman che it cheats on you with a woman, in a way, I suppose, you would feel less shame. There's just it's, You'd probably be more confused, or a normal person would be more confused than anything. But it, it is a red flag in that, one, men and women relate to sex in different ways. I know this is contradictory to the orthodoxy of modern leftism, but they do. Men have a much more 
physical basic drive for sex. Women have a more emotional and longer-term drive for sex. This is why men are more interested in having one-night stands at their worst, and women are just less interested in that and more interested in, in being, you know, really clingy and getting a boyfriend and... <laughs> It's the kind of that meme of the crazy looking girlfriend, you know, calling you all the time. And that's just, that's just a difference between men and women. And so if a woman is displaying more of a masculine approach to sex and lust, and then if a woman is confused even about what she wants out of a romantic partner and what she, it just tells you she, she is probably not on the same page as you are and probably not marriage material, at least yet. So you can take that shame Nick, and maybe use it to find other fish in the sea. Maybe settle down. Last question from Elijah. Dear Michael, thoughts on dating in high school? This girl I've been close friends with for some time now uh, and are both romantically interested in each other. Uh, She thinks that we should start dating now while I think we should wait until we're older. My reasoning for this is we're only 14. You read that right, and I've always thought you should date in your later teens, then marry young. She shares the same beliefs and political views as me, which is a rarity around here, so I don't want to lose my chance with her, but I also don't want to rush into something and ruin what I think could be a very successful relationship. Thank you, Nostradamus, for your thoughts and insights. Love the show and everything else you do at DW. I would date the girl. I would date the girl. My grandparents met and sort of started dating around 14. Sweet little Elise and I, well, she had a crush on me in eighth grade. I had a crush on her in ninth grade. It finally worked out. We got started dating when she was 15. I was 16. And uh, we... My grandparents and sweet little Lisa and I both split for college and then both got insanely jealous and then got back together. And my grandparents have been married something like 70 years. And sweet little Elisa, obviously, you know, just the, my soulmate, the, the, you know, my uh, heart's uh, deepest longing, at least on this earth. And so I do it. I think it's great. I think that high school sweethearts make uh, for, for a great married pair. I'm not saying you should go out and do all sorts of naughty things that unmarried people should not be doing. But you can date, go to the ice cream parlor, go catch a movie together. I think that's a perfectly wonderful thing to do. You're not going to win the girl by staying apart and thinking about this in a really clinical way. I think you should cultivate those kind of feelings in a way that is age appropriate and hopefully will lead to your longer term flourishing. All right, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Hey everybody, this is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Claven. <laughs>